Hi, I'm Kira. Welcome to Ladyland. Think about your closest friend. Maybe you know where she works, but do you know what she does all day? Do you know her job title? Do you know what she studied in school? Turns out, I didn't. So, I made a podcast to find out. Welcome to Ladyland. I'm your host, Kim Baldwin. This is a conversation with women from all walks of life and different backgrounds. It's funny at times, serious at times, but always honest. This is Ladyland. Hi, Kara. Hey, Kim. Thanks for coming to Ladyland. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited today. Would you introduce yourself to our listeners? Definitely your name. Sure. Your job title. And as much detail as you want to give about your job title. Okay, great. I am Kira Austin Young. I am an Episcopal priest. I am the currently serving as the priest in charge at St. Anne's Episcopal Church in East Nashville. I am also a writer and a chaplain and do a bunch of other ministry stuff. Yes, our first priest. Yeah. Who knew? <laughs> Who saw this coming? Will you describe what a priest in charge is for me? Sure. So a priest in charge is just a kind of fancy Episcopal title that means I am basically the head clergy person at the church. So you might hear it described as like the rector, or I was previously the interim rector, and then I got okay. sort of an slight upgrade to priest in charge. A support and upgrade? Yeah. Came with a salary yes. bump. and <laughs> All for that. <laughs> I have recently become a godmother. Ooh. And the christening, thank you, was at an Episcopalian church in Kentucky. So I've seen the lay of the land and I want to know which role is your role. So do you do the service? Yeah, I'm, um, I mean, in my current context and in every context I've served in so far, I have been it in terms of the only clergy person. So I celebrate the Eucharist. I read the gospel. I preach um, every single week. (laughs) That's what I thought. But when you had the title change, I thought, I wonder if her job changes. Yeah, not really. Okay. I kind of knew you did that because I follow well, over friends, but also on socials, you used to more like show the working on the sermon and like what your week looked like leading up to the weekend. This is a thing I truly don't know. It's not like a typical nine to five. Obviously, weekends are involved. <laughs> yeah. So per my letter of agreement, I basically get one day off a week, like one protected day off a week. So okay. it's always fun when I roll into church on Sunday and people are like, how's your weekend going? And I'm like, I don't really get a weekend like in the same way that normal people do. The blessing of that is that it is like a pretty flexible gig, like especially kind of in the middle of the day. I have a little more flexibility than kind of like a office job. But I also have a lot of evening meetings and I have like Saturday obligations and meetings and things like that. So I'm sort of working when like everybody else is off because that's when they're, (laughs) well, but that's when like people are available to do, to do stuff. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, of course. (laughs) You said something that made me wonder, do you mostly work from home or you have an office at the church probably? I do. And I do most, nowadays I do most of my work at the church because I have a part-time admin, church admin, who's there from like nine to two. So, you know, we're working on the bulletin every week. We're dealing with stuff that comes in the door. We're planning. We're making posters for events and yeah, uh, all that kind of stuff. 
Okay. And then you, the chaplain is at Vanderbilt. Is that part of, do you still do that? I do. I'm what's called a contract chaplain. So This is what I wondered. Like, was that your job or this is a different No, this is something completely different. It's sort of separate and in addition to like my other, like my church job. Right after divinity school, I did what's called a CPE residency or clinical pastoral education residency, where I was basically a resident chaplain, like a chaplain in training at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital. And so like got into the system that way and like knew the people. And apparently they thought I was like, at least fairly good at it. (laughs) Yeah. Because, well, for the most part, like, I think I was just trustworthy and would, like, show up when I said I was going to. When I kind of started my position at St. Anne's, they contacted me and were like, hey, we've got this evening chaplain on call thing, and we'd really like you to consider it if you can. So I'm on call Wednesday nights from, like, 10 p.m. to 7 a.m. Oh, Um, I didn't know that. (laughs) I knew it was at night. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Fortunately, like, I don't get called in that much, but, like, when I do get called in, it's for, like, something yeah. not good is going on. Yeah. Man, I can't imagine. It's pretty intense. Like, I've gotten to the point where I keep threatening to, like, not do it anymore because it's it's just pretty intense and, like, trying to navigate, like, a really tricky situation at like 4.30 in the morning when you haven't had any coffee and you've been like woken up from a dead sleep is challenging. (laughs) I truly have never even thought about that. Yeah. Can I ask a dumb question? Mm -hmm. When you get called in as chaplain, do you have to wear your collar? Can you just like roll up in street clothes? Um, And it's understood you were the chaplain. Yeah. A lot of times it's understood that I'm the chaplain, but usually like the collar is a real like hey, this is who this person is. And when I lived a little bit closer to Vanderbilt, I would like actually put on a little bit of makeup, but I don't even really do that anymore. (laughs) I just, it's like people need you there and it doesn't really matter like what you look like at some point. But I mean, I've got, you know, my ID badge and it has this big thing that says like spiritual care. So people kind of know who I am when I roll up. But the collar is really good. I had a, a professor in divinity school who said the collar gets you into the hospital and out of jail. Oh my God. (laughs) It's a tagline. So... So what is your favorite part about your job? Um, Besides the blessing of the animals, obviously. (laughs) So as an Episcopal priest, we do communion every Sunday. Uh The way we do it at St. Anne's is people come forward and we use real bread, which I think is awesome instead of like the little fake wafers. And like, I just get to look into everyone's eyes like every Sunday and tell them that like, this is the body of Christ and the bread of heaven. And it's like old kids, you know, young kids, old people, everybody. And I love hearing from, especially like from parents whose kids are like really little, what they kind of get from church. Like there was one week, a parent came up to me and they were like, yeah, um, our kid in the car was like, mom, today I want to get the bread of heaven from Mother Kira. And I was just like, <laughs> that's sweet. Wait, are you Mother Kira? That- I am. I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, I am. I tell people that you can call me Kira for sure. Like, you don't, <laughs> if you don't want a title or that's like a thing that kind of squicks you out, like certainly call me Kira. That's fine. But some people do want a title. I did, clergy truly did not know this. <laughs> okay, Mother Kira. Yeah, it took me a long time to feel comfortable with that. Yeah. Because I was ordained when I was 27. Crazy. So, <laughs> and at camp, like, at camp was, like, my first kind of position of authority as a minister. And, you know, I was, like, 27. Like, the counselors are not that much younger than I am. 
And they were really sweet. And they just, they were like, Mother Kira, like, I don't know. It doesn't, it didn't feel quite right for like the camp setting and for me, because like, I'm a fun, I like to think I'm a fun person. <laughs> I'm not a regular priest. I'm a cool priest. <laughs> Listener, she rolled up in a fur coat that had googly eyes on it. <laughs> Mother Kira is fun. <laughs> That's right. So they called me Mama K for a while, which I, I like really that. liked. But then, like, as I've gotten older and now, like, at St. Anne's, it's such a age-wise, like, a pretty diverse congregation. So, like, I have active parishioners who are younger than me for, like, the first time in my life, like, that are wow. adults but are younger than me. Yeah. And, like, a lot of times they want their kids to call me something, you know, Mother Kira. Okay. Or I would prefer that to, like, Miss Kira. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, if you're going to call me something, it should be kind of this, like, set-apart yeah. title. Because in the tradition, like, men are called father so-and-so oh, a lot of time. Yeah. Totally. Didn't um, think about that. Yeah. and But, like, there's a lot of, you know, so there are some female priests that say, like, well, mother is very different. So, like, you should call me, like, father, Kira, which is weird on, like, a whole other level. And it's a very personal thing. And, like, every time it comes up in any clergy group I'm a part of, like, people have very, very strong opinions about it. Whoa. I bet they do. What do most people get wrong about what you do? I think traditionally, a lot of people just assume that I only work on Sundays. (laughs) (laughs) Like a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, you don't work, you know. A couple hours a day, half the year. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. I think the assumption that I only work on Sundays, because a lot of times, like, that's obviously the most visible work that I do. It's probably what people get wrong yeah, the most. Yeah, no, I could see that. You mentioned your other church. How many churches? I've known you at two, the, mm-hmm. the, the last two. But surely, have you been at more than those two? Not really. I was at St. David's in Westmead for a little, like, a year. Okay. And then I was at a church in Lebanon. And now I'm at St. Anne's in East okay. Nashville. Fun fact. So the genesis of this podcast is a blog series called These My Bitches. <laughs> And Kara was a bitch. And when you moved to St. Anne's, someone at St. Anne's emailed me and asked if they could put your These My Bitches in the bulletin. I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) So I think you're my only bitch who's been in a church bulletin. Yeah. I I think you were, like, pretty uncomfortable. You were like, you're a priest. Can I call you a bitch? I know. I was like, is this cool? But even they were like, we'll just change the title. I'm like, that's fine. (laughs) That's fine. So we met Riding Bikes 2014. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I think so. We joined the team the same year, I think. Yeah, because we'd been doing the, like, Monday night rides yes. together yeah. and then joined the team. I'm still on the team. I thought you were. We mm-hmm. were on a women's cycling team here in Nashville called Tennessee Women's Cycling Project. Yep. And I remember, I, I love the story, the first ride we did, I followed you. We left at the same time, and I didn't know you or your car, but we lived almost in the same neighborhood, and I was behind you the whole ride from, like, Franklin oh my to our neighborhood. And I'm trying to remember all the bumper stickers you had on your old car, but I was like, man, she's pretty into church. Yeah. And then... <laughs> And I was like, oh, she's a priest. This Okay, n- this all tracks now. That explains a lot. I was like, it's a lot of church bumper stickers. Yeah. You're just <laughs> like a bike rider. Right. So I love that that's how we met, is me following you. Yeah. So you're still on the team. I have, I've basically quit exercising. And we've had a similar kind of conscious uncoupling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. From that lifestyle. 
And I don't know how much you even want to say about that, but it's I know that yeah. we are on a shared yeah, path. I, f- I feel you and a couple other people have sort of like led the way for me in terms of some of Thanks. the like conscious uncoupling from like diet culture and the ways that like sometimes shows up in intense training or exercise cycles and and things like that. So, I mean, for me, I went through a divorce at the end of 2017 and like my whole life kind of shifted and (laughs) (laughs) broke apart. And so like as I was kind of putting it back together, for one, like I went from being a part-time clergy person to being a full-time clergy person. And like that was a lot. Like that really took up a lot of my time and energy. And I was also like doing overnight chaplaincy. And so, you know, when you get called in at three o'clock in the morning, it's pretty hard to get up at like six the next morning for your run or whatever. I bet it is. <laughs> so I really took a step back from doing the things that I was doing. And then as I got back, like I would like run a little bit. I rode my bike. I was still like, it was like a normal amount of active, which was a really hard thing to wrap my mind around. Isn't like, that? <laughs> yes, same. Like to go from working out like 10 hours a week to working out like... 90 minutes to two hours a week was like, I'm not doing anything. But then I was like reading all this stuff. I was like, no, I'm actually just doing like a normal, healthy amount of exercising. And so I'd run a little bit. And then in October of 2018, I was out on a run and I got hit by a car and I'm okay. Like it was fine. I got taken to the ER. Nothing was broken, you know, but it was pretty, it like messed me up psychologically. Yeah. Um, It was pretty traumatic. And that kind of getting back into running after that was really tough. But I've still like, I did a lot of, I went through a period of time where I was doing like, more like hiking and yoga and stuff like that. So it's been hard. Part of me wants to like get back into it. And like, I miss racing some and I miss like that community sometimes. But also like, I sleep in on Saturdays now, like when I don't have something for work or like even when I do have something for work, it's usually not until like nine or 10. Yeah, same. And I'm like, this is what normal people do. Like I come from a really, really athletic family. And so I did not. Shout out Karen Runs. <laughs> <laughs> is my that mom is on Twitter oh at God. Karen Runs. At Karen Runs. <laughs> but so like that was kind of just like what I thought everyone did. Yeah. And then I started like sleeping in on Saturdays and just like having coffee in bed and doing the crossword puzzle. And I was like, this is really nice. Why didn't anyone tell me that this is like what I could have been doing instead of like running 10 miles I know. before anybody else got up? And all of our brains were broken. <laughs> I have a dietitian who works with me about having disordered eating. And earlier this year, she was like, what if you don't exercise? And I was like, probably I die. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, is that allowed? Yeah. And so she tasked me with quitting all of it to reset my brain because truly it was the scariest thing that anyone ever said. I was like, well, you have to or you die. Like, I'll immediately have a heart attack and die. Right. I'll be unhealthy. When I was like, heart attack, dead, unhealthy, cannot. And she made me stop. And it's maybe one of the hardest things I've done, but it did rewire my brain. And so now I'm allowed to like re enter. But now that I disconnected from it all, I'm like, I didn't like any of that. And so it's kind of fun to like, what do I even want to do? Yeah. I mean, it really did do a thing to just completely stop. And now I have to, well, did I even like that thing? I don't know. Well, what else do I like? Because like you, I, I am so social 
almost everything I do is because of who else is doing it. Mm -hmm. And I lost that when I quit running, when I quit racing, when I didn't continue on the cycling team. And I had trouble just figuring out like, well, how do I still see people if I don't do these group activities? Hiking and yoga help. I do that dance class with a large gymnasium full of women and that scratches the itch. But man, it's hard. Yeah, I think, I, like I said, like, my divorce for me was a kind of, like, that moment of, like, well, who am I? Like, what do I like to do? Like, I'd never really thought about having to kind of interrogate that. And so I went through just kind of, like, a year where I was like, well, I'm just going to say, like, yes to everything. <laughs> yeah. And it was a really fun year. And then it lasted, like, a year. And I was like, okay, I need to, like, pare this down a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, and I remember thinking to myself, like, well, but what if I'm not training for, like, a triathlon or a half marathon or a marathon, like, what's going to happen? Like, am I going to get fat? And I was like, that was the fear for me, which like, hello, all my internalized fat phobia. And guess what? Like, I stopped working out and I gained weight. That was a thing that happened. Yeah. Turns and, out. like, <laughs> I'm still here. You know, <laughs> I'm still good at my job. Like, I'm still a good priest. I'm still smart. Like, I have like a lot of things to offer to the world that don't, you know, depend on like the shape of my body. Yeah. But you don't know it until you know it. Yeah. And like you can't, no one can make you believe it. Like you have to learn it. Yeah. And it's been like you and a clergy friend of mine and like my best friend, Abby, kind of also had gotten into a health at every size dietitian. And she was like telling me the stuff. And I was like, that can't be true. (laughs) And then I started listening to podcasts like Christy Harrison's Food Psych. And and I was just like, this is, I, I'm so mad. Like, I'm mad, and yet I don't know how, like, this also makes so much sense to me. Yeah, same. (laughs) Same. Hi, do you like podcasts? I hope so, because you're listening to one. If you like podcasts, I have something else you might like. Audiobooks. Libro FM is the first and only company that lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your local bookstore. P.S. We have two of those here in Nashville. You can pick from hundreds of thousands of audiobooks. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. Ladyland listeners, you get a special offer. Three audiobooks for the price of one. That's $14.99 with your first month of membership. Use the code LADYLAND at checkout. For more information, visit ladyland.show slash Libro. It's really easy. A lot of changes. Yeah. Changed churches. Moved. Got divorced. Yeah, got moved. divorced, moved. I noticed you're wearing a very shiny ring today. I am. <laughs> um, do you want to tell us about this ring on your finger and this, sure. this puppeteer? Yeah. So I mean, your life? that's uh, maybe why the coat has giant googly eyes on it. Is, mm-hmm. uh, I started dating and went out on a date with this guy and I was like dating other people too. And it kind of like, I I remember writing in a like single clergywoman Facebook group that I was in. I was like, LOL. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> a Facebook group of single clergywomen under the age of 40. Oh my God. It's... <laughs> I never even thought to wonder if this exists. Right. Well, like dating as a priest is weird. I can't. Especially in the I South. I imagine. Especially like being a progressive person, yeah. like politically and socially. You know, he had just moved here from New York and like we'd been texting and he was like, yeah, like you can Google me. I <laughs> used to work on Sesame Street. And I was like, what? That's nobody used to work on Sesame That's Street. That's not real. You know, we met and I was like, well, like I'll go on the date with this guy, even if it's not 
great. Like, I'm still, it'll be a good story. Yeah. No, I need, yeah, I need answers. (laughs) I need a lot of answers. And it was one of the first dates I went on where I was like, oh, this guy, like, isn't boring. He's a graduate of clown school. Like, literally went one of the last classes, because now there is no more Ringling Brothers. I was like, I left our date thinking, I mean, it was a little bit of a weird first date, but like, first dates are weird. And, but I think I was thinking like, this guy is actually interesting. And I like want to hear like, a little bit more about him. And we continued to date about like two months into dating. He went to New Zealand for like eight weeks to work on a television show. (laughs) And it was one of these things where I was like, well, what do you do? You know, like, we're not serious. Like, we haven't been dating that long. But so, like, let's just hopefully, you know, we'll, like, keep in touch. And when you come back, like, we'll try to pick up kind of where we left off. And we kept in touch more than I sort of thought we would. And... It was actually probably a really good thing for me that he went away for that time. Because, like, when I, like, get into something, I'm, like, all in. Okay. And that time gave me a little bit more time to, like, not be all in. Slow your roll. <laughs> to slow my roll. Yeah. yeah to really, because I have no chill. And... <laughs> Yeah, fast forward, we're now engaged. One of the best men is a legitimate clown. <laughs> I, can't, I cannot wait. It's I, it's a very weird, very wonderful life. So. It, I love watching it from afar. <laughs> I want to go in two different directions. I want to talk about your personal progressive politics and the book you wrote. And I want to talk about you getting engaged in a cemetery. Yes. <laughs> Tell the cemetery story first. You got engaged in a cemetery in New Orleans, correct? Mm-hmm. St. Louis Cemetery, number one, like the big kind of historic okay. cemetery. Why? 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 Um, <laughs> Why is my question to you? Yeah. So part of my spirituality, I guess, my like my faith is going to get really weird. <laughs> when everything, when all the shit hit the fan, yes, I got really into the idea of I mean, I think it kind of manifests itself in popular cultures like Carpe Diem, like seize the day. But like faith-wise, and there's this big tradition, I mean, stretching back through Christian history of like, remember that you're going to die, memento mori. (laughs) And that was a really like freeing idea for me. And again, kind of going back to like, well, what happens if I stop exercising? Like, am I going to die? Like, well, yes, I'm going to die if I keep exercising. Like, ultimately, ultimately, we're all going to die. And that like, really like that equality of like existence was very freeing part of my job obviously i officiate a lot of funerals and frankly i think i'm pretty good at it i bet you You are (laughs) you know and and through chaplaincy i'm involved in a lot of people's like worst like the worst moments of their life when they're losing or have lost or are about to lose a loved one and uh so i've spent a lot of time thinking about death. (laughs) Sure. And particularly as a topic a lot of us like don't want to talk about or it's, you know, you know, that's impolite or it's morbid or if I talk about um, it, it's going to happen. If I talk about it, it's going to happen. uh, Keep your death away from me. (laughs) (laughs) When Michael and I were talking about him possibly proposing to me, you know, he was like, well, on a scale of one to 10, like how Michael do you want this to be? (laughs) And I was like, well, like, like a nine. And he was like, well, how about like a six? And I, was, <laughs> I said, okay, well, like, I don't want it to be like an expensive thing. Like, I don't want it to be a big like helicopter or something like that. But I want it to be whatever you, you know, I kind of want it to be a little bit public. Like, you know, I kind of gave him some guidelines. And okay. We were going down to New Orleans for a vacation anyway. And it had been long enough. Like, I knew he had the ring 
and I was like, oh, when is this going to happen? Like, I'm so tired. I'm like, waiting. <laughs> and we had, he had scheduled a tour. And so it was like a little history tour. And mm-hmm. we, you know, walked around the French Quarter. And he kind of like told me some little white lies about like, well, it's, we ended up getting a private tour and nobody signed up and blah, blah, blah. But it turned out, you know, he had just kind of sprung oh. for, sprung for a private tour. Okay. And, um, then we were in, got to St. Louis Cemetery Number 1 and got the, like, tour of, you know, how that whole process works in terms of trying to get buried in a place that's essentially underwater. Yes. And then at one point he was like, well, like, let's take a picture. And, you know, we stepped back to take a picture. And he pulled these, like, black silk flowers out of his backpack. And they had, like, little plastic skulls in the middle of them. And I was like, oh, this is it, is it? <laughs> That's really sweet. So he got down on one knee and the ring was in this tiny like 3D printed coffin. (laughs) (laughs) And like he opened the coffin and like the ring was in there. And like it turned out like he told the people at work what he wanted to do. And they were like, let us help you. And so they had like embroidered like little skulls on the lining of the coffin. the ring it look, would look like because I like picked out the yeah. setting and stuff but like I was like oh the ring's right let me see that coffin like that's so freaking cool <laughs> that's amazing but it was very very sweet earlier you mentioned when you were first dating how hard it is to date as a priest especially like a progressive priest in the south you've written a book I did yeah tell us what the book's about yeah so my book came out in the fall of 2017 um, oh that was a great year for I, you it was not a good year for me <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the book was great, but it's called Pro-Choice and Christian, Reconciling Faith. Oh, I'm going to mess up the name of the book. Okay. Reconciling Faith, Politics, and maybe something else. It's fine. <laughs> There's three things there. Yeah, I had been writing for a uh, web magazine, I guess, out of the Methodist Church oh, publishing yeah. house Oh, yeah, I used to read while. those posts. Ministry, Ministry Matters. Matters. Mm-hmm. And I'd written one about abortion at one point. It was just something that had kind of been on my heart and on my mind and... I wrote it, I guess, a while ago now, and then I got, I was contacted by an acquisitions editor for Westminster, oh. John Knox, and she was like, hey, I read your post on Ministry Matters. We've been looking for somebody to write a, like, pro-choice Christian book, and I really liked what you had to say, and would you be interested in doing that? And I was like, ha, no. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't want to be I don't want to be that person like that abortion priest basically wait I don't know who's that person is that a thing no I mean like that like that like to be known for like oh okay. she's like the abortion lady wow um, okay knowing just the feedback and vitriol oh, yeah. like I got from just like a short 500 word like blog post uh, yeah is, it was enough I was like I don't know if I'm have the like strength to write a whole book and then get the kind of feedback that yeah. I'm inevitably going to get. And she's like, well, okay, you know, think about it. And during that time, I was trying to move to a different church. And I kind of thought in my head, like, the book thing's not going to happen. And the church thing is going to happen. And it turned out to be the reverse. <laughs> the book thing happened and the church thing did not happen. Okay. So I spent a lot of time. It's not a long book. It's like a hundred and something pages. It's pretty short read. And I've gotten a lot of good feedback from like people I actually, you know, value. Yeah. <laughs> whose opinions are important to me. Yeah. And a lot of people that 
are in like kind of similar church circles to me and have been like, this is a really good, helpful resource. And I'm going to like recommend it to people. And then I've gotten, you know, death threats from people on LifeSite News is the big like kind of Catholic based anti-abortion website. And like, it was obvious that the person who wrote an article about my book, like didn't actually read the book, like they read a review of the book and like made a lot of assumptions about (laughs) about what the book said and was Mm -hmm. about. And hilariously, like the book's position is basically the same position of the Episcopal Church, which is that abortion should be a decision between a person and her doctor and priest and family and and that the government should not get involved. And yet, like, it's inevitably sort of a tragic circumstance if, like, that's the best option. And I had a bunch of people that were like, we're going to get you, like, defrocked. We're going to, like, write to your bishop. And Oh, my God, defrocked. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like... I don't think so, because my position is the same position as the church. So uh, good luck with that, friends. <laughs> has it died down? Because the book's been out a few years. Yeah, it has died down. Occasionally, I don't know what happens, like if LifeSite News just like re-ups stuff. Yeah. But I'll occasionally get like a slew of like Facebook messages from people I don't follow. And I'm just like, what? What happened? Okay. <laughs> Are you ready for some hard-hitting rapid-fire questions? Oh, I'm. this is the part of the interview I was, like, most <laughs> nervous about. Okay, right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Muppets or cats? Oh, cats. Sorry, Michael. Sorry. Sorry, babe. Funniest thing Michael has put googly eyes on? Um, there was one morning I was staying at his house, and I had brought hard-boiled eggs over for breakfast. <laughs> And, like, a little, like, container, Tupperware container of, like, strawberries and blueberries. And, like, I put it in the fridge. And I woke up that morning and I went into the kitchen (laughs) and I opened the fridge. And the eggs just had these googly eyes on them. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is... This is what I've signed up for. (laughs) That is the sweetest, funniest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) True or false, you bought a skeleton. True. You named him Memento Mori. Yes. And you gave him an Instagram account. Yes. <laughs> true. All of this is true. All of this is true. I almost brought him to the interview. I, I almost texted you and asked you and I forgot until it was too late. And I was like, I forgot about Mori. He's the light of my life. You know, it was so funny. I had just officiated a wedding and that's kind of an exhausting situation. And I stopped by the grocery store on the way home and I had been wanting a somewhat... It's He's not really life-size. He's like seven-eighths or like three-quarters okay. size. I'm not a large person, and he's like a little bit shorter okay. than I am. And I saw him, and he was on sale, and I was like, I'm doing it. I'm getting the skeleton. <laughs> you know, I just officiated this wedding, so I made a little extra money. Like, I'm going to buy the skeleton, and yeah. I'm so glad I did. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we take turns kind of moving him around the house some... Mm-hmm. Um, I always have to remember, like, when people are coming over so they don't get scared. Or, like, yeah. if the house cleaner's coming, like, try not to scare the bejesus out of people. It's it's so funny to me <laughs> that you have this skeleton. What is the stupidest show you've watched recently? I started Love is Blind last night. I thought you were going to say Love Island because that's what I'm watching and it's <laughs> breaking. Like, my brain is seeping out of my ears at night. <laughs> Okay, what is Love is Blind? Love is Blind is hosted by Nick and Vanessa Lachey. I know what this is. And they, I don't know how many people are on the show. It seems like a lot, but they basically, they go on dates without seeing each other. And then they propose 
and this is I've only watched one episode and okay. I am scared. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I it's so hard for me like to remove my like priest brain when I watch some of these cuz I keep I thinking bet. like I would never officiate that wedding. Like they've known each other for a month. <laughs> like, yeah. Like first of all, it's not even canonically legal. Like you know. <laughs> First of all, it doesn't meet the canonical requirements. (laughs) But also, it is just like watching a train wreck. Okay. Final. You know it's coming. You can't explain it. Okay. Can't explain it. Favorite guilty pleasure song? I was thinking it's definitely either something by Katy Perry or Kesha, but like not the like, not the serious Kesha stuff. I figured. (laughs) Yeah. The like, wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. (laughs) Kesha. I love that song. <laughs> that song and Katy Perry's Firework were on my yes. race playlist that I listened to during a yeah. marathons. I will say the music that I listened to in the like late aughts while I was training for a lot of stuff, like that was some good music. There was like some good pop, yeah, like kick butt, dig deep music. There really was. Thanks for coming to Ladyland. Thank you for having me. We enjoyed having you. Bye. Bye. I'm Kim Baldwin, and that's our show. Thanks so much for joining us. To find full show notes, head over to ladyland.show. And if you know a lady that I need to meet, slip into my DMs. You can find me at ladyland underscore podcast on Instagram. This podcast is produced by Mary Catherine Rooker and brought to you by We Own This Town. Logo by Elizabeth Williams. Music by U-Drive. Download anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have a minute, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review Ladyland. Thanks again for listening. See you next time. Bye.